I'd ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the New Testament book of Ephesians as we are continuing in a sermon series simply called Text Messages. And we're reading this letter from the Apostle Paul that he had written to this church in Ephesus. And he's written to this church that is full of former pagans. Everyone in this church is Gentile and they are people who were looked down upon by the Jews But now Paul has told them in previous chapters, one, two, and three, he's told them that you are family, that you are adopted into this family, that you are part of the family of God. And now when we get to chapter four here in Ephesians, Paul is going to, he's going to move his focus from the individual believer, and he's going to focus now on the church as a whole. I want you to think back and remember into your days in high school, maybe your very first day in high school. It's a brand new campus. It's a place that you've never been to. There are tons of students and a lot of students who you don't know. And your class is now among, with the sophomores, the juniors, and the seniors, you are all coming together in one place in about 20 classrooms, spread out over two acres, and you're supposed to learn something. First day of high school. The one thing we learn on this first day is that we are all part of this class and we're going to need each other in this class. Now, I graduated in 94. And I remember at the pep rallies, 94 had a certain section in the gymnasium, 93 was in another group, 92 was in another section, 91 had its own section. And as you moved as a class, you would move to the next section and we would get loud. 94 would get really loud. And that's what what I remember. I don't remember any students from 93 or 95, but I remember the students from 94 because we were part of a class together. Because Those are the people who we ended up in the same place together for four years. And we had this understanding and everyone knew that next year you're going to move into a different section together. Now here's something about your high school days. Your last day in high school was so much different than your first day in high school. There's so many differences. So many things had changed. You, you had changed. Your class had had changed. The way you see your school had changed. Your knowledge had changed. Your life experiences have changed. Your new barely showing mustache has changed, right? Like, there's a lot of things that are new. And when you look at your class, you realize that you grew, you learned, and you matured together through those years. Let's put this in the church context. Come with me to Ephesians chapter four. I'm starting out in verse number one. Paul writes this, therefore I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life that is worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Verse two, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. In verse number one, Paul reminds this class, he reminds this, this, this church that, that your family and your family together, and he asks them, he tells them, he commands them, live a life that is worthy of the family that you are in. You see what he's saying? He's kind of putting that sense of pride in there. Not proud, but pride. He's saying, hey, you're part of this family. Live like you're like it. 
live like you're part of this of this family and he says to be humble and to be gentle and to be patient with each other Jesus gives us a great example of being humble in Luke chapter 14 I'm going to put this up on the screen behind me Jesus says this when you are invited to a wedding feast don't sit in the seat of honor. What if somebody who is more distinguished than you are has also been invited? Then the host will come and say, give that person your seat. And then you'll be embarrassed when you have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all of the other guests, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Paul says, come in and take the lowest spot. Not because, not because you deserve it. Don't come in and take the highest spot because you might deserve that. But here's the thing. Paul says, come in wanting other people to have the higher spot. Come into the church. Come into it to lift somebody else up. It would be fair to say you can't lift somebody in a, into a position that you're in, right? So we lower ourselves so that we can lift somebody else into that position. Paul also tells us to be gentle with each other. We read this in his letter to the, uh, to the church. We read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writes this, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. On the day that you were born, okay, you don't remember touch with very gentle arms. There were people who were, who were working to make you comfortable. Maybe they were trying to keep the noise down in the room so that you could sleep. Or maybe they were fluffing a pillow for you so that you could lay down comfortably. That's being gentle. That's what Paul was saying is that when we were among you, when him and, and was among this church, he says, we weren't harsh with you. We could have demanded things from you, but we came and we were gentle. And that's what Paul is asking us to be with each other, is to be gentle. How would a brand new mother handle her brand new child? Very gently, right? That's what Paul is asking us. So here we are, all of us showing up in the same church at 10 a.m. on Sundays, and some of us didn't know each other before we got here, before we came here. And we're kind of like that high school class. And maybe there's new kids and, and maybe there's people here that you're just seeing for the very first time. But you know what those pep rallies did in high school? They helped form that bond between classes, right? They helped bring strangers together. Look and see what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm in verse number 3. Paul writes this, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. There is 
one. We are all here for the same reason. We are all here because of Jesus. We're all here because of the same reason. We are all here to worship Jesus. We are all the body. Write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who might be joining us for the first time, on the back of your bulletin, you're going to find some fill in the blanks. I'm going to give you those answers. They're also going to be up here on the big screen. Point number one in your notes is this. The Lord's church is designed to be united as one, not divided into many. The church is designed to be united as one. And as you look back over the relationships in your lifetime, you can easily remember every single day that was a nightmare. But those days that are pleasant, we might not remember those as much. Everything's going well. That, that pleasant, that, things are nice. But it's those days that are unpleasant in our relationships that we remember and we take those moments later on down in our relationship. We seem to hold on to those. And here's the question, can that happen within the church? Can we have personality conflict within the church? Do we hold grudges within the church? Can we refuse to participate because somebody else is there in the church? Sometimes that, that happens. It's not too kind, but it happens. David writes this in Psalm 133. He says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. When we are together and we are united. And, and, and Paul is, is, is he's making a really good point here as he drives home his message. He's telling us that the church needs to be united. And there's a very important reason why. We're picking that up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7. However, he, Christ, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. A special gift. Okay, let me ask, who loves playing the white elephant gift game around Christmas time? Okay, I know some, sometimes we love playing it when it's happening, but we, we hate the fact that everyone else ended up with like a $50 Amazon gift card and I get like a kid's old flat tire, right? I mean, you get some terrible gifts at, at uh, White Elephant um, events from time to time. But that's not the way that God gives gifts. He gives very special gifts that are made exclusively for you. They are designed exclusively for you because Jesus Christ is generous. I want you to see what Peter says about these gifts. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So it's as if God went out in the pasture of gifts, of spiritual gifts, and here's all of these gifts out here, and, and he's looking through to find the perfect one, and he finds the perfect one for you. And that's your gift. He found it. He gave it to you, but he didn't give it to you to hoard, to just hold on to. No. He gave it to you as a gift with a command. 
And the command is to serve other people with your gift. That's what you do with it. Let me tell you something else that's important about your gift. We find this in Romans chapter 11. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, for God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Isn't that great to hear? God's not going to take his gift away from you. He's given it to you. It's, it's yours. And that comes with a couple of things. One is that it's the security knowing that we have the ability to serve others. You think you don't have the ability? God gave you the ability in the gift that he has given you. But it also lets us know this, that if we are not using our gift, we are wasting our gift. We're wasting it. I wonder if you've ever heard this at Christmas time. Somebody says, well, if you don't want it, just give it back and I'll give it to somebody else. Ever hear that? See, here's the thing. God's not going to give your gift to somebody else. He's not. If you don't use it, nobody else gets to use it. It's not like he's going to take it away and give it somebody else. So now everyone in our class, we come together as a church and we all have a, a gift and we're all part of the same family. We're being patient with each other, we're being kind, we're being gentle with each other, and we're coming together and we're enjoying our time together because we're living as brothers and sisters in harmony. So what about the church, though, as a whole? We've got these individual gifts. As individuals, we're all here. But God isn't done giving gifts yet. He recognizes the entire body. I'm in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Paul writes this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Imagine if God brought all this church together, but he didn't give apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or, or teachers. Who's going to evangelize? Who is, going to, who is going to spread the word? Who's going to teach? You say, well, I would do that. Well, no, because he didn't give, if, if he didn't give teachers, you can't do that, right? There's nobody to teach. See, this is what I, I, I love about the way God works when he's making something. He, he, he creates something amazing, and then he provides all the resources for that to be sustained. Same thing with you. God created this church body, but he provided the tools for it to be able to succeed. God didn't give the church pastors and preachers and teachers just to come up here and talk. He didn't, that's, that's not why. I got an amen over there, didn't I? Didn't I just hear an amen over there? So here's the question, why did God give these gifts of pastors, teachers, evangelists, and prophets, and, and apostles to the church? We find this in the very next verse, and I love this verse. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 12 reads like this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's why. And I love the way that the ESV states this, saying that God gave these gifts to the church to equip the saints. Who are the saints? You. There's the saints to equip you. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It reads like this. Their responsibility, the preachers and pastors and teachers, 
is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Here's point number two in your notes this morning. Your pastor's job is to give you the tools to do ministry. Your pastor's job is to give you the tools to do ministry. Not only are pastors here to teach you, they are also here to train you. The Apostle Paul, he, he says that's the job of God's people is to do the work of the church, to do God's work, to be equipped. That's why you are being taught. You think about it, you wonder well, why did Paul write this? If Paul had written that you're giving the gifts of there's pastors and teachers and evangelists and, and prophets and, and, and apostles, church, there you go, you've got those gifts and they are going to do God's work. You know what would happen then? Is you would have a lot of people just sitting around watching one guy do all of the work, right? That's not what Paul says. That's not what he tells us to do. Some of you know right away that I'm going into an illustration about Caltrans. <laughs> Growing up, and still today, you just see a road crew out there and you see one guy in the hole with a shovel. There's three guys up here who are just watching him. There's one guy back in the supervisor's truck. There's a couple of other guys who are on brakes. Somebody's holding a stop sign. Somebody's holding a flag. It just looks like one guy is doing all of the work, right? And, and that can happen if, if we don't step into our roles. Years ago when I was in my early 20s, I took a job with a friend of mine on a construction crew and, and, and this crew was building brand new homes. And I had asked my, my friend who was our, our leader on this team beforehand, I said, okay, what do I need to bring with me the very first day? And he said, a hammer. All you need to bring with you is a hammer, that's it. So that's it, that's it, a hammer. I'll provide all of the other tools that you need. And so I show up and I start working and, and I was trained in new skills over the next few months. I, I learned how to use a, a plumb bob. I, I learned how to uh, use a chalk line, how to install windows, how to lay carpet, how to lay tile, how to install cabinets. It was, it was I was being taught, the, the, the tools were there, I was being equipped. I was being equipped. A pastor's job is to provide the tools and the education to you so that you can build up the church. You hear that? We've all got jobs. A pastor's job is to provide you the education and the training so that you can build up the church. Look what Paul writes to Timothy. This is in, this is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Timothy is an apprentice of Paul's. Paul writes this. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. I love this verse. Paul is telling Timothy to be prepared to do ministry, rain or shine, for the people in the church, to the people out of the church, to people you know, to people who you don't know. He's saying, Pre be prepared to use your gift when the time is favorable and when it's not. Be equipped and be prepared. 
That's his message. In Timothy's job, he's a, he's a pastor, he's given a tool. And we've been given this tool also. Would it be fair to say if that we are all part of the same class, we're all part of the same church, we are all working on this mission, that we should at least show up with a common tool? 2 Timothy, verse number 3, chapter 3, verse 16. Paul writes this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There it is. There's the tool right there. Everyone shows up with our Bible. We show up with Scripture. You say, what do I need to show up with? What do I, on my first day of work, what do I need? Bring your Bible. Bring your Scripture. That is our tool when we all come together for the first day of work, for the first day of school. Remember, you showed up with a book. We're not showing up with a math book or a geometry book or a science book, no. But we're showing up with a book that is the inspired Word of God. Let me ask you a question. Showing up, do you know how to use this tool? Do you know how to properly use this? Let me ask you this. If you happen to be alone, out on the spiritual battlefield, and you're looking around and you don't see, your pastor's not here, and it's you, but what you do see is another group of people who see you and recognize that you have your tool and they start walking up to you, what are you going to do? Do you know how to use your tool? That's why I'm teaching and training. That's why you are being equipped. We might need more time spent in our instruction books so that we can learn how to properly use this, this tool that God has given us to be able to use in any situation. Come back with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm in verse number 13. Paul says this, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. Write this down. This is point number three in your notes this morning. A united, healthy church body is continually growing deeper in their Christian walk together. Continually growing together. That is so important. You wonder how long this class is going to be together? I'm always going to be class of 94. That's never going to change. And your job is never going to change. We are all in this together. We all have this work to do together. We are family. We are coming together in unity, in faith, and in knowledge. But let's face it. Sometimes we show up for class and we really don't do anything, right? Sometimes we show up because we have to. We show up, but we're showing up. We don't have any 
compassion at all. And let's take it a step further. Let's not lie to ourselves. Some Sundays we ditch class, right? Some Sundays we're ditching class. And it's not that we've got a good reason. Sometimes we don't even call in. We just don't show up. It's not that we're sick. It's not like there's, there's some emergency that we've got to get to. We ditch because, oh, I'm tired. We ditch because, oh, I've got a headache. We ditch because, oh, I overslept. And we ditch class. We make excuses to tell ourselves that it's, it's okay to miss church. It's okay to miss Bible class. I got a headache. It's what we tell ourselves. The writer of Hebrews recognized this. And he's already warned us. I'm in Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 11. The writer says, we have a great deal to say about this. And it is difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness, but he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish good and evil. Yep, the writer of Hebrews just called us out. He really did. He said, church, you might not be ready for solid food. You still might need milk. He's saying that some of us still need those milk stories from Sunday school. We still need those stories about Jonah and the whale and Adam and Eve and Noah's ark and Daniel and the lion's den and Jesus and Zacchaeus and Jesus feeds the 5,000 and Jesus turns water into wine. And all of these are important stories, but the headlines are milk. How they relate to our lives, that's the meat. That's the solid food. And Paul is saying, some of you haven't matured to that point yet. He's saying some still might need milk, but as a class, we're to grow together. How do we know that we have matured? Well, it's when we're not drinking from a Bible sippy cup anymore. We know that things got like, you know what? We've grown up. We've grown up some. Think about your class again and all of your classmates. Some of you show up ready. Some of you even show up for church ready. You're showing up with a venti, iced, skinny, hazelnut macchiato, sugar-free syrup with an extra shot, light ice and no whip, and a Trenta cup, right? You're ready. Some of us show up with a Capri Sun so that we don't spill our our juice on the carpet. There's a difference. We're trying to grow together. We're trying to grow in unity. But it's hard when we're all not together or growing together. I want you to see how important this is. Back to Ephesians chapter 4, I'm in verse number 16. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 16, he makes, watch this, the whole body fit together perfectly as each part, 
As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's the fourth and final point in your notes this morning. A body will not function properly if the parts are not growing in unison and in unity. A body will not function properly if the parts of the body are not growing in unity together, if we're not all growing at the same time. Paul is making this point that he wants us to grow together. He says, so you have a gift that can be used for others in the kingdom. No one else was given your gift. Nobody else is going to show up and do what you're supposed to do. And he says, we're to come together in unity and in unison so that we're all growing together. And he's reminding us that, you know what? If we ditch class, then our gift can't be used. Because remember, your gift is special to you, right? Your gift is special. No one else is going to use your gift. So when you're not here, it means that your gift can't be used. We all have this part. And in this illustration, Paul is, is focusing on, he's using the illustration of the body. And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. I want to end with this illustration this morning. When you were four years old, you had the body of a four-year-old. When you were 24 years old, you have the body now of a 24-year-old. You're taller, you're smarter, you've got bigger hands, you wear bigger shoes. But let me ask you this, between the age and the age 24, what if, what if your left leg stopped growing? Everything else is growing except your left leg. You have the left leg of a four-year-old on a 24-year-old body. You see that? You see where we can get out of sync here? See, what happens then when your left leg doesn't grow with the rest of the body Watch this. What happens is you walk with a limp. What happens is that you might need a crutch or you might need a wheelchair to get where you're going. What has happened is that part of the body has stopped growing. And the body can't work correctly now. When one part of the body stops growing, the rest of the body all becomes handicapped. So what happens? When members of the church stop growing spiritually and in harmony and in unison, the church can become handicapped. The church might need to lean on a crutch to walk. It means there's a part of the body that, that just didn't grow the way that the other parts of the body were growing. 
But see, when everything is, is clicking, when everything is working, when the body is healthy, when, when our spiritual labs come back and everything looks good, then our church body is healthy and it is growing and it is growing together and it is growing into our communities. That's the way Paul wants the church to operate. That's the way that God created the church to operate is that we are all growing together. Wednesday nights are going to be a great opportunity coming soon for us to continue growing together. It's a different kind of session than this one is. It's an opportunity where we get to interact with each other. We get to spend more time together, enjoying a meal together, I would ask you to put Wednesday nights at 6.30 on your calendar and let's grow as a church together. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me?